Well, good morning. Uh, this is our third week looking at the value of a generous life. And last week, uh, Joe looked at the importance of forgiveness shaping our generosity. And in the first session, Will helped us understand generosity for dummies. Uh, remember, we're looking for stories of generosity, uh, whether it's you trying to put the teaching into practice and seeing surprising results, or hearing how you have felt when you've encountered generosity in action. Email the church office or speak to Will uh, or Vicky today. Will give yourself a, a little wave. Well, give everyone a little wave, yeah? Uh, so see uh, Will or email the church office if you have a story to share. Today's theme is practical generosity and hospitality. But before we get into that, we've got a little test for you. What is this? Varied results. Some people just staring, going, I don't know. Some people saying teaspoon, some people saying spoon. You are all sort of right, apart from the don't knows. But for today, for the purposes, it is spoon. So when I hold it up, you say? Spoon. Excellent. Spoon. What is this? Oh, more of a consensus here. There we are, so ladle, so? There we go. As we explore the idea of practical generosity and hospitality, let's look at what the Bible says. As far as you go back in the history of God's people, one of the God-appointed duties of the righteous was hospitality. Read through Leviticus, read through Deuteronomy, you'll see so many examples of that. And what that meant was the simply the willingness to invite people into your home, people who don't ordinarily belong there. Oh, here he goes. I've got to welcome people into my house. That's all right for him to say. Does he know where I live? No chance, sunshine. In the New Testament, this duty was re-emphasized for the Christian community. Romans 12.13 says, Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. And literally that means pursue hospitality. And the verb implies continuous action, not like, I've done it once, tick the box. So the command in Romans 12.13 is that hospitality is not just be a thing once a year, at Christmas or a special time, but a constant attitude and practice. Our homes or apartments or whatever we like to call them should stand constantly ready for strategic hospitality, a readiness to welcome people who don't ordinarily live there. What? So I don't just have to invite people in once. It's all the year round. Is he mad? I can't afford that. I'm far too busy. What if they touch stuff? What if they steal stuff? I read all sorts about what happens when you let strangers come into your house. <laughs> it's a no from me. This isn't like a plaster, pick it off, you know, like do it quick and get it off. And it isn't a box ticking exercise. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 9 says, Above all, hold unfailingly your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. Oh, 
Now he's putting us on a massive guilt trip about being hospitable. And then he wants us to do it without grumbling. I might pretend to be happy about it, but inside I'm just wishing it was all over. The only thing he could do to add more emotional blackmail is to use that Bible verse about how we need to be nice to people because they might be an angel. If he uses that, I'm off. Hebrews 13, 1-2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have un- entertained angels unaware. Right, that's it. I've had enough. This isn't what I signed up for. I don't come to church to be told what to do in my time. Sunday from 11 till 12.30 is God's time. The rest is my time. I'm off. Romans 12.13 said that we should be constant or persistent in our practice of hospitality. Hebrews says that same thing but in a more negative way. Don't neglect it. And it is something that can fall into neglect. It can be a a way that gravity is almost pulling our thoughts, affections and actions inwards to ourselves and our own homes rather than thinking of others. John Piper says this, it's on the screen, the most natural thing in the world is not to do hospitality. It is the path of least resistance. All we have to do is yield to the natural gravity of our own self-centered life and the result will be a life so full of self that there is no room for hospitality. We'll forget about it and we'll neglect it. So the Bible bluntly says, stop that. Build a launching pad, fill up your boosters and blast out of your self-centered routine. Stop neglecting hospitality, practice hospitality. Now as you heard um, Paul speak, you might think, oh, I agree with him. Isn't this just a massive guilt trip? No, it is not about guilt. It's not about pressuring. However, what it is about is catching God's heart for other people and letting that heart beat for extremely practical ways. So many of us pray for ways to share God's love with others, but often don't know how to do it. Acts of service which show generosity are an excellent way to do this. What's this? If we do practical things for people or show hospitality only because we feel guilty or because we want to make ourselves look good, we become like the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the Old Testament times and when Jesus was on earth as well. Remember, two weeks ago, Will spoke about Simon, who invited Jesus in for a meal, but didn't do many of the hospitable things expected of the day. Now, I'm fairly certain Jesus didn't care a jot that Simon hadn't gone through the formalities. It was the fact that he knew Simon's heart, and he knew the reason that Simon had him round was for his own selfish motives. Other Pharisees are documented of being far better at Simon. They were really good at getting their house in order. These were world-class experts in putting on a show, the razzle-dazzle, the hyacinth bouquet of their day. They made sure everyone knew how good they were. 
and how brilliant all the things they did that would get them closer to God. They made an absolute show of it. But remember the verse from Samuel. Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. Sure, if you do good deeds and have bad motives, people can still get fed or looked after. A fence gets painted, even if you're doing it with absolute in your heart. But a call of God's kingdom is that we have hearts, minds, and eyes looking to outwork God's love in practical ways. I read this week that it's difficult to carry the love of Christ when your generosity is a transaction rather than a relational engagement. I'll say that again. It's difficult to carry the love of Christ when your generosity is a transaction rather than a relational engagement. Don't get confused though. We don't do these practical acts in order to gain God's favor. Remember going back to our Galatians series? These aren't the ticket into God's family, but they are the response to his love and acceptance. See how long I can do this for. (laughs) Some of us may say this, well, I'm not a practical person, or my gift isn't hospitality. And it's true, there are people who are particularly gifted in that area. I've been to particular friends of mine, some come to mind down in Folkestone. They just are amazing at it. It's what almost makes their heart beat the whole time. And they have people, it's a small home, but they have people in all the time from all around the world. And it's just something they're very, very good at. And even around this school, if you go into English or you go into humanities, history, RE, they're all like, yeah, we've got bread, we've got cake, we've got drink. They've always got something there, crisps, fruit, everything. Math, science, no. (laughs) And so certain people are wired a certain way. That's fine. But it's almost like saying, well, I'm not much of a singer, so I can't be a worshipper. Or I'm not great at reading, so I'll neglect God's word. These are parts of what we do as follower of Christ. In Mexico, you know that we take uh, groups of students out, and I've done that four or five times now. Each time, and I think I've talked to you about this before, day two is my nemesis. I can't do it. And everyone goes, oh, no, Phil, you can. You, You just... Not, not quite, you decrying yourself, you're speaking down, you, can't, you can do it, search for the hero inside yourself, moving on up, what have you done yourself to make you feel proud? All of Heather Small's back catalogue. However, what it is, is we have to build a frame, a frame that's got to be usually square, sometimes it has a diagonal roof, depending on what part of the house it is. It is a wooden frame. You've got to make sure corners are square when needed. You've got to make sure it doesn't bow. All these things. I cannot do this. Year one, my frame had to be taken apart. Year two, it had to be taken apart. Year three, they made me do two, even though I said anything else it had to be taken apart. This year, I had interns who'd been building houses from uh, around that area with me the whole time. 
I actually had the CEO of the whole organization with me for the second day building my frame. It still had to be taken apart. It's something I'm not very good at. However, what I know I'm very good at is sifting sand. I can do that. I can get a team together, sift the sand, do that. And you might be thinking, we're all building frames. Why is that man up the top sifting sand? Well, if we get that done early, it means there's no gap, because then we've got it when we need to do the render for the walls. So there might be something that I'm not as good at, but there are in a practical way, but there's things I can do. And that's the same with all of us. The wedding had water. Jesus made it into wine. There were five loaves and two fish, and over 5,000 were fed. Mary had a small jar of oil and turned it into an outrageous praise offering. So, what have you got? What do you have? What gifts have you been given? What time have you got? Because it's also about seeing the need. If you look through Jesus' life, actually... As he's walking through, it's often the disciples are picking out the hospitality opportunities. So saying, these people need feeding. And his mother Mary saying, the wine has run out. And I believe that's Jesus helping them see, helping them open their eyes. It's, what we, it's about what we've been given and what we actually see. And it's so easy not to see need. When I was ill earlier this year, I was amazed how people would do extremely practical things. Bring me round food, offer to take me to appointments, write letters and cards, take me out the house. All practical ways. But examples how people saw needs and did something about it. And did that. What we need you guys to do is not underestimate underestimate your power, the power of your living room, the power of your car, the different places that you've got to be a launching pad for a new life, a new hope, and a new mission. Now, I've just got a page missing, so I'm going to borrow one off Mick. Can I borrow that a second? And it's going to, if I go that way, it's going to uh, all go brilliant. So, hopefully Mick hasn't. There we go. If in doubt... We do this. Um, one of my friends has, his best friend is a guy called William Hansen. If you're into daytime TV, Kev, um, <laughs> paternity leave recently, um, he always pops up. He's the world, well, he calls himself Britain's best um, etiquette expert. And there are loads of videos, and they love it in America, actually. He's made a living out of this, where he goes and tells you how you should eat, how you should drink, how you should do hospitality. Oh, my life. If you watch the videos, they're hilarious. They really are, because it's all the accoutrements, all the things you need. And if you don't do this, you're doing it wrong. So even his video that takes about three minutes, how to make a cup of coffee, your head will be absolutely pounding at the end of it. And so often we can see people like that, see people on Come Dine With Me spending hours and going to the fishmonger they've obviously never met before but pretending they're friends and all these things. And it takes them an absolute day to do and it goes 
totally wrong. And you're thinking, hang on a minute, you want me to try that. Well, no. I've already mentioned other ways we can show practical generosity. We can show hospitality, and it doesn't always have to be having somebody in our house to live, to stay the night for a meal. But that could be something. My nan is 95, and she recently went into hospital. She had a chipped pelvis. She came out. Her next-door neighbour, and actually their area in their, their place in uh, Cardiff, is amazing that they've had lots of people in the medical uh, industry live around there. And some people who are quite well-known in Christian circles. I only found out recently that Dr. John Lennox, one of my big Christian heroes of science and how you explain science to non-believers, he lived opposite my mom. And she only just told me. I was like, oh, I want to meet him. And, uh, but in that area, there was a lot of uh, people who were Christians who looked after each other, invited people to each other's houses, but also invited all sorts from around the world to, to meet and fellowship. However, a lot of them have moved on or elderly now. But her next door neighbor, uh, Peter, who has done huge stuff in, I think it's heart uh, research around the world, he now, 11 o'clock, a knock on the door. He comes in with a tray, he's got some biscuits, some coffee, sits with her for an hour. She absolutely loves it. And what's funny is she was having home help. They weren't needed because A, he was there, and also she was sorting herself out. So they'd come in and just have a chat with her. But every day, or if he can't, he'll say, I'm not in tomorrow. But he has found an extremely practical way of just helping someone, showing hospitality. That coffee, every day, having a chat, means the world to her. Absolutely does. Often, what we're told is that in order to be fulfilled, we need to do what we want, that we need to focus on ourselves. And if you do a bit of Googling, it's amazing how many motivational posters, I'll do that, motivational posters out there, encourage you to look after number one and then you will succeed. That don't listen to others, they can drain you, you need to worry about yourself, that's fine. But that is spoon thinking. A spoon is big enough to serve yourself. Look after you. Make sure you are okay. That is what spoon thinking is. A ladle is almost always used for serving others. I don't know many people who'd use a ladle just for themselves. When we give up the idea of just focusing on ourselves and thinking of others, this is a ladle mentality, ladle thinking. This kind of generosity is following Jesus' example of putting others' needs above our own. And this kind of generosity doesn't come easy but it comes from coming close to Jesus and learning from him. So how can we take steps to try and put this into practice? Earlier, I mentioned strategic hospitality. And I've read about this recently. And it's a hospitality that thinks strategically and asks, how can I draw the most people into a deep experience of God's hospitality by the use of what I've got? Could be a home, could be your church home. It could be 
your office. It could be a coffee shop nearby. It could be the woods or the chase where you go walking and you do that with someone. Who might need reinforcements now in the battle of loneliness? Who are the people who could maybe be brought together strategically for the sake of the kingdom? John Piper said, what if two or three's abilities could explode into a new ministry if they had a couple of hours to brainstorm over dinner in my house? Or in a way where you're providing hospitality? Strategic hospitality isn't content to just have the same people over to dinner. You know the ones who'll bring a Marks and Spencer's flan and you know you don't have to worry about dessert and they'll find they know where the toilet is. You're all sorted with them. Strategic hospitality strategizes how to make the hospitality of God known and felt all over the world. From the lonely church member here to people in your workplaces, colleges who need that touch of God. Remember though, as we close this part of the service, the ultimate act of practical generosity was when Jesus died on the cross for sinners to make anyone who believes part of his household. Ephesians 2.8 says this, By grace are you saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. The ultimate foundation of Christian hospitality is God's unwavering commitment to glorify the freedom and all-sufficiency of God's grace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, how many times did you urge your followers to welcome the stranger? I sometimes balk at this. It's hard to be welcoming when I'm tired, fearful, or anxious about my time and resources. Bless me with an open and welcoming heart. Let me see others as I would see you. Let others see me in the warmth and grace of your love. Enfold me in your gracious spirit and make hospitality a mark of my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mick.